This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That joined on Football CFB today by a true legend of not only Scottish football but a true Rangers legend as well, Barry Ferguson. Thanks for joining me. No, not a problem. Um, I've been listening to your, your podcast. You've had some unbelievable guests on and through this lockdown it's one of the things that I've been, I've been doing, listening to a lot of obviously football stuff and one of your podcasts is, is up there. I've got to be honest with you, some of the people you've had on and obviously you had my son on a couple of weeks ago so He's been badgering me to listen to it. So when I'm out running and uh, doing a bit of uh, gym work, I'm talking about the garden. Um, I've been listening to him. So good stuff. And I hope it continues to grow for yourself. No, thank you very much. And just to start on Kyle there, he was on the podcast, as you say, a few weeks ago. Is it, yep. is it a relief to have him back home from, from Sweden and being able to spend that time with him and the family now that you're in this situation? Um, well, as you probably know, he's, he's a bit of a, a globetrotter, our Kyle. Um, he likes to get about. But look, when this virus became pretty serious, one of the things myself and my missus were, were just wanting Kyle back. And um, thankfully, we got him back in time. It's a bit more relaxed in Sweden, but you, you know what it's like. You just want all the family together and making sure they're safe and, and staying well. So... It's been good to, to get him back. Um, it was great the first couple of weeks now. Me and him are ready to tear each other's heads off. Because <laughs> he's, he's pretty similar to me uh, in terms of his mentality. So, no, it's great to have not just Kyle, but uh, Connor and, and Cara uh, together. But it's getting to a stage where we're, we're needing to do our own wee things before we end up, as you say, falling out with each other. <laughs> in terms of this period you've been on PLZ as, as you always are and that's been very entertaining kept me going during the lockdown but one of the things I wanted to, to talk to you about was the fact that you put up your Scotland cap and shirt um, against it was against Italy wasn't it or was it France? No France the 1-0 victory over in Paris yep. the 1-0 game against France and it raised £25,000 for the NHS just how proud were you that it raised so much and you were able to donate it to such a good cause? Well, first and foremost, I've been like yourself and everybody else. I've been watching the news and reading stuff, and I've just been taken aback with the work that these frontline people have been doing in NHS and putting their lives at risk, basically, to try and save lives. So I, I was sitting one night and I thought, what, what can I do to try and uh, just do my bit for the family? It's not just about me; it's about the family and showing their appreciation. And I had a look around about the strips and I thought instead of going down a Rangers route I thought look one of the biggest victories ever for a Scotland team um, was beating obviously France I mean if you go back to that game the, the players that they had um, and they, they were an unbelievable team so I just thought to myself Do you know what after that game actually my wife got us uh, framed 
with my captain's armband, the strip I wore, and obviously the cap was all in the frame. And I thought to myself, you know what? I think it's a, I think that's one of the ones. As I say, I didn't want to go down the Rangers route, and then it was just all Rangers people I wanted to go down the route. Been made available for um, not just Rangers fans, maybe Celtic fans, Dundee United, Hearts, Hibs, whoever, especially Scotland fans. So when I put it up, I spoke to Peter. Um, and he thought it was a great idea, so we went for it, and I was just, I was blown away, blown away with the the amount that it raised. But do you know what? I'll go back to what I says at the start. It's going to an unbelievable cause. These people, for me, are not just heroes; they're inspirational to me. And um, as I says, they're they're putting their own lives at risk to save other lives. So I can't wait to, um, first of all, deliver the deliver the the strip and the cap and the frame and whatever to the guy, Brian, who's over Natalie. Also, I can't wait to deliver the cheque across to the NHS. Absolutely. It's a, a great cause and something that's a really good news story. It's such a, a scary time for so many of us. And During this time, you're a manager now, as we all know, Kelty Hearts. You got the news that the club won the title, which is a great achievement for yourself and the club. I've spoke to two of your players recently, Michael Tidser and Nathan Austin and they both said that working with you is one of the main reasons they wanted to go to the club. They've got that title, you've got the title in the bag, but does it? how does it feel getting it in the circumstances? Well, first, I've listened to two podcasts and I was listening to see if they would say good things about me before I would um, get them a phone call or a text. <laughs> but no, they are, they're two, two fantastic, not just players in my eyes, but two fantastic guys like the rest of the guys I've got at Kelty. But in terms of the, the title... Look, I've been honest about it. It's not the way I wanted to win it. I wanted to do it on the pitch, but I'm a realist and I know what's going on in the world and it was becoming impossible for the matches to be played. And I, I says away at the start um, that I was preparing myself for either good news or bad news regarding titles and seasons getting played or finished. Uh, so, no, when I got the news, it was a strange feeling. It's one of the ones where you, you've got to celebrate. It's my first um, trophy as a manager. So it was kind of, yeah, I was I was happy. And I was happy for the players. I was happy for the the volunteers out of the club, the committee and the general manager, Dean, um, and all the supporters. But it's, it's a strange one. But look, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. There was five games to go. I was still confident. And my players that we would have had enough to to get over the line. Um, throughout the season, we had a couple of bumps in the road, which is only natural because it was a a full new squad I had built for had come in. Um, so, no, happy to get it. But if I'm being honest, it's no the way that I would have liked to have won it. But as I said, um, we'll take it and we'll move on. And now it's the next step. It's a case of waiting and and seeing where we're going to be playing next season. Well, that's the next thing I was going to talk about with you. In my personal opinion, I think yourselves in Brora, if there's going to be league, league reconstruction, you need to be in the mix because you've earned the right to be in that playoff where the Warriors would get to play the League Two team. They're saying that's obviously probably not going to happen now. So in my opinion, yeah. if it doesn't happen and they expand the leagues, you and Brora should be there. What's your personal opinion on that? Yeah, I agree with you. And I, again, I'll go. I've been watching a lot of people um, talk. I've been listening to radio. I've been reading 
what people's comments are on it. And I think the vast majority of football people do think that both ourselves, Kelty and Brora, deserve the chance to to go into the, the SPFL and, and, and play our football. And that's the way I've felt for the start. Now, I've, I've had my, my say on it. Um, if they don't do it, what is the point of the pyramid system? That's one of the reasons why I went to Kelty. The pyramid system is to try and not just win a, a league title, it's to try and promote yourself into the SPFL. And I'm not just talking about the Lowland League and the Highland League, I'm talking about the leagues below us as well. Um, the pyramid system, it's, it's going to be pointless if they don't. I've been disappointed, if I've been honest with some of the comments that have come out from some League Two teams um, regarding it. Is it a, a fear? Maybe. We're the only ones that could answer that. I, I think that there is, because you just need to look at what Cove Rangers done, for instance, coming up for the Highland League. Um, they've run away with the, the League Two. Edinburgh City's pretty much, it's been a bit of a, more of a progression for them. They've, they've settled into League Two, but now they're up challenging at the top of the league. So that, that's what you want. I mean, if I'm in League Two and I'm a manager and I'm seeing somebody coming up from the pyramid, you're wanting to look behind your back and see and think to yourself, look, there's obviously ambition, ambitious sort of clubs. There's a real drive and determination for these clubs. Right? How can we better ourselves? So go back to the point, I'd be really disappointed if it doesn't happen. But I think if you ask the vast majority of football people, I think they think the way that myself and yourself are thinking is give us the opportunity to come up and show what we can do. Because I can only talk for the league that I manage in and obviously with the team that I manage in Kelty. I mean, I've got some, I believe, players that just can't play in the league above. I think they could go two, even three. if. You really pushed them. And then I'll, I'll go through Bonnie Rig Rose. Very good team, well organised. Um, BSC, you just need to see what they've done in the Scottish Cup last year. East Kilbride, OK, they didn't have a great, a great season last year, but they've got potential. Um, Spartans, East Stirling. So there's a lot of teams in that Lowland League that could go up and mount a series challenge in League Two. And I know for a fact Barora could. I've seen them play a couple, of, uh, a couple of times myself. I can't speak for the rest of the teams um, up there. I don't know too much about them, but I would imagine that there is very good teams in that high league. So I think these teams deserve the opportunity, if they do win the leagues, to, to progress into the SPFL. Well, no, I would agree with you there in, in terms of yourselves. You've, you've set high standards in that league this season. You, you've won it, um, which is deserved. You look at Barora. I'm, I'm aware of them in the sense that they played Morton in the Scottish Cup and they caused them a few problems. So again, that shows the quality that both teams have got. In terms of Kelty Hearts, Barry, I've always wanted to ask you the question. You, you went to the club, it was a shock for many at the time. You said the pyramid was a, was a big part of that. What's the club been like in, in terms of yourself? What's your managerial style like now, having had the experience of being caretaker at Blackpool and also um, managing Clyde? Uh, well, I, I kind of, I'll go back to the Blackpool start where I, I knew I was coming to retirement. I had, yeah, I think it was the fifth operation in my manco at that time and the specialist had said, listen, right, enough, enough's enough. Um, I had so many injections in it and he just says, look, if you, 
want to enjoy your life, whether that's kicking the ball about with the kids or playing fives with, with your mates or playing in some testimonial games, you need to give it a miss now. So I was coming up to the I was coming up to thirty seven anyway, so it was a fair career I had had, a fair go at it. And um that was an eye opener, I'll be honest with you, Blackpool. Um I enjoyed it. It was an experience. I kept them up, but at that stage, I just wanted to get back up the road. And I'd been down in England now for about five years, commuting. I kept the family up the road. Just wanted to get back up and see the next steps. At that stage, I was just starting my pro license, and then the, the opportunity at Clyde came, and I thought, you know what? I want to get my hands dirty at the, the bottom end. I want to see what it's really like. Um, and again, that was an eye opener. I had to do a lot of things that probably at a full-time level that you get everything done for you. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go and kind of took me back to my apprentice days when I went in full-time at Rangers at 15. You had to muck about and do all the jobs and, and clean the, basically shit out the toilets and do whatever you had to do. Um, and that's what I'd done at Clyde. And it was good the first couple of years. The first year was kind of just getting into knowing the league and um, the second year I built my own team and we get beat off in the playoff final with Queen's Park. Um and then the sec uh, sorry, the third season going in, I'd made a lot of good signings. And one of the players you'll probably know was Dylan Easton had signed and I had built the team at that stage round about Dylan. Because for me he's a special talent and matter of weeks into the season. Dylan's missing for the rest of the season with a cruise ship, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. It just kind of it went pear-shaped, if I'm being honest. There was a couple of things that I should have done better. I'll admit that myself. Um, and then it just came to an end. I just felt, you know what, I've had enough. I need to take a clean break for it. Uh, spend a bit more time with the family. I don't know if that was a good idea or not. Uh, but then I took a bit of time out. I had a few offers from abroad, I had a couple of offers in Britain as well, I didn't really, didn't really fancy them, and then out of the blue, I got a phone call for, for Dean McKenzie, the, the general manager, and if I'm being honest with you, I had known that Kelty were trying to build something, but I hadn't been up to Kelty for probably 24, 25 years, I played my testimonial game. When I was 16, uh, 16 year old at Rangers, and I just remember it as just basically a, a public part where a, a tin hut. Um, but he was on the phone constantly, and I thought to myself, Do you know what? I like the sound of this guy. I'm going to go up, I'm going to drive up, and I'm going to spend an hour, an hour with him and talk things through. And do you know what? When I drove up at the gates, I was blown away. I've got a bonus with the facility they've got, um, the clear vision was we want to go to the SPFL and we'll try and help you as best as we can. Now, I know the perception in the football game, it's uh, we've flung a lot of money at it. We have put the budget up, but it's not an open checkbook. It's, they're careful with their money. But if you go to them and you say, look, this is a player that I think can better the team, they'll try and support you as best as they can. And I've got to be honest with you, I can't say anything but great things about them. I've loved every single minute of it. I enjoy the drive, even if it's an hour or so drive, every Tuesday or Thursday to training. 
but I really look forward to it because it's not just about the committee and, and Dean, it's, it's the volunteers, it's the people behind the scenes that are just genuinely football people and they just want the club to do as well as they can. And to put a smile on their face is what I, I try to do. Um, and thankfully they got that this year with getting the league title. Um, but the first six months, I'll be honest with you, at the job was about an eye-opener. They had, they had a decent team, decent group of players, but I knew within a month, six weeks, of having close contact with them, that I says to Dean, look, if you really want to challenge big time and try and win this league, we'll need to do a full revamp in the squad. Now, that's going to be hard because I'll be honest with you, there was players that were there that were heroes, um, club legends, uh, who'd been there a number of years. But sometimes you've got to make decisions. And there were hard decisions to make. And probably some of the fans weren't in agreement with it. But I thought to myself, if I get these right players in and I change what I believe is right, going forward, we're in with a great chance of, of doing what I came here for, and that was winning a league and getting the opportunity to get into the SPFL. And it was a lot of hard work in it, but we'd done it. Um, not just myself, but my backroom staff and obviously the, the committee and, and Dean have been a, an unbelievable help in that. And it's easy when you bring players up and you show them the facility and the people run about the club, as I, I've mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, and anything I enter, it's my drive and mentality has always been the same. I was a, a young kid trying to make my way in the game and that's to win things. That's what you're in the game to do and that's what you're judged on, winning. Um, so I would probably say that the 18 month has been, it's been good, but I'm always a believer we can get better. So you've always got to strive to be better and I keep uh, banging on at the boys and probably they're, probably they're sick of me saying that but I've got to give them huge credit as well they've bought into what I try to do and every single one of them when they turn up to train and play all I ask them is they give me 100% you can have a bad game I can accept that but what I can't accept is not giving me 100% and I would probably say the vast majority of that season it's just went they gave me that so it's not just about me and my, my staff and the club. It's the guys who do it on the pitch and they've been a credit to not just the club, but their families and themselves. You, you mentioned you've had a very successful season as, as the league title shows. I'm interested to ask you about your relationship with your assistant, Bob Malcolm. As a player, you were a leader, the captain, the sort of driving force of the teams you played in. Bob seemed like a more kind of laid-back guy. Is that the way the management duo works? Uh, I, I, I like for other people to, to, to judge that, but I think you're, you're probably right if you ask any of my players, which you've obviously you've interviewed Fashion and Tids, and they've gave you their opinion. Look, I, I'm, I'm different away from football. But I go into a zone when I turn up at the gates. I'm in a zone. Look, I, I can. I've changed my managerial skills um, from my last my last job. Uh, I try not to get. How could I put it? 
is agitated. Um, but it's hard when it's born, when you're born with that mentality. I mean, I, I just, I, I need to win. I need to win whatever I enter. Uh, and I try and I try and put that into my players. Um, but going on, Bob, Bob is probably the more laid back. Um, and I'm probably the one that's, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Good cop and bad cop. So I'm probably the bad cop. Um, but listen, I'm there for my players, anything they need. Out with football as well. I've learned that as well. There's a lot of things that go on in life. Um, and it's great for me. You see the more and more people come out with the mental health side of it, which I think is important. Um, and my door's always open. My door's always open if I've got issues out with football, whether it's work, relationship, feeling a bit down. I'll, tr I'll try and do anything in my power. And if I can't help them, I'll try and put them uh, in the right direction. And it's happened a few times at the club. Uh, so I want the boys to also feel comfy around about me. But when it gets to, when I've got that whistle out and the training starts or the game starts, uh, it's serious. Something that both Michael Tidson and Nathan Austin said about you was the fact that although it's part-time, you keep in touch with the players an awful lot. You'll send them text messages. You'll, yeah. If they have a good game or whatever, you'll send them a text at maybe at night saying, brilliant game today. And, and Michael Tidson in particular said, coming to Kelty and getting those wee messages, getting, he said, he summed up by saying it felt as if it G'd him up and kept him on a high confidence-wise to look forward to each and every game. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I've changed it, as I say, is you've got a, there's a line when it comes to management, I believe. Um, but as I say, I, I think they've got a, got to be congratulated on if they do do something well. Um, and if they've not done something as well as I think, I'm, I'm no shy in telling them. Uh, but it's nice to hear that. But that's the kind of manager that, as I say, is we, when you start off, you never stop learning. It's as a player, the first time I started as a 15-year-old full-time and I retired at 37, I was still learning at 36. I was still learning things and it's going to be the same in, in management. And I like to keep close to my players. I, I, I do, um, as I say, there's a lot more things happening. I want them to feel comfy and I want them to feel at ease that they can pick the phone up. Um, through this time and now during lockdown it has been difficult because there's not a lot of news that I can give them but I do try and we've got a group chat I'm not on the group chat I don't allow myself to go in the group chat um, it's Bob that's on that and he doesn't tell me anything that goes on in it uh, so I'll send them texts every 7 to 10 days just to make sure they're staying safe and well and if they need a chat pick the phone up because as I said, this is a tough time for everyone. During lockdown, we, we can't do what we normally do. Um, and I want them to... You there? Sorry. Yes, that's I all right. You. Aye, uh, I want them to feel that I'm on the end of the, the line if they, they need any advice or um, any chat about, basically. Absolutely. And one of the things that interests me about you, Barry, is the fact that you mentioned 
that you've always kind of grown up with that winning mentality, that mentality that you go into every game to win. Was growing up alongside Derek part of that for you? Is that what kind of started it from a, a really young age, having a very close family member who was playing for Rangers, ha- had that winning mentality, and for yourself also being in and around Rangers as a young kid? Yeah, look, it was definitely a help. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, Derek used to take me in um, after games. Uh, they were doing like a light training session for half an hour, 40 minutes, and I would be around them and just at six and seven years of age, and it was a great just day. I, used, I just used to sit and watch them and think, hey, this is what they do. This is how they, they prepare, and this is what goes on to... to if you want to try and become a, a top player and a top professional. And no, definitely it was a help. And my dad um, taking me to games and my dad always came and watched me when I was a young pup coming through um, at boys club level. And a lot of people tend to forget my mum. My mum was a big influence as well. She was the, she was the gaffer of the house. Um, she was a, she's a strong, strong woman. Um, and that, probably kicked on my dad and it for there on and it kicked on Derek and it kicked on myself. Uh, so I kinda had it installed as a young age coming through. Um and it it stood me in good stead because I had a couple of knockbacks. I had a couple of knockbacks that were difficult to take when I was fourteen and fifteen getting told that I was too small, I might not make it. Um and that's hard to take at that age. But there was something just deep inside me that I knew I would prove everybody wrong. And I had that steely determination that's thankfully never left me. And it stayed with me throughout my career. Whether you you have a bad game or a good game, sometimes you have a bad game, you get criticised. I try to use it in a positive way um, and think to myself, right, you know what? So-and-so's getting me a bit of a bit in the newspapers, right, do you know what, see the next game that I'm playing, I'm going to make sure I'm top man in that pitch. And that was meaning working harder during the week, I would go and do it. So, no, definitely for a young age, we have my dad and my brother and obviously my mum in the background. Um, that certainly helped me throughout my career. And it's probably a, a Ferguson trait. I mean, you spoke to Kyle a few weeks ago, he's that kind of character. Um, and my nephew, Lewis, yep. you just need to see what he's doing up at Aberdeen. I mean, again, similar with Kyle and Lewis, they get knocked back at a young age. Kyle's went a different route. Lewis get freed for Rangers, and it's easy to, to spit the dummy out and just go and do what the rest of your friends may be doing. But no, he went to Hamilton, rolled his sleeves up, got his move to Aberdeen, and he's proven Rangers wrong. So, maybe it's a Ferguson trait. Absolutely. And I asked uh, Kyle this question, as, as you know. I asked him when he was getting in at Rangers as a kid, was there more pressure on him because you get that perception that's Barry Ferguson's son? Was that the same for yeah. you when you went in at Rangers? Oh, that's Derek's brother, kind of thing. Yeah, yep, that's that's Derek's brother. Um, but I just says to him, I say, I'm going to be better. Him. That was it. It was simple as that. I've got a lot to work at. I've got a lot to improve on. But 
I wanted to be better than him and I was going to make sure of that and I was going to make sure that I was going to be successful. Um, it's just something inside me. Uh, people ask me how you get that sort of mentality. I, I don't know whether you're born with it or whether, as we spoke about there, it comes from your parents. Um, but, yep, that's what you go, oh, that's, that's Derek's young young brother. He's, he's decent. Well, we don't know if he's going to be as good as him and you could hear the whispers in the background and I'm thinking to myself at 11 and 12, aye, you're right, I'm going to be better than him. That's the kind of mindset I had. Because um, I, I believe if you've not got that mindset in anything in life, you're not going to achieve what your goals are. And my goals were to grow up and play with the team that I supported as a, a young kid, and that was Rangers. Um, and I lived the dream. I mean, I, I'd done more than... I ever imagined, I ever imagined, um, and it's a proud moment, seeing, supposedly, well, from my mum and dad's point of view, both of their sons playing with, playing with Rangers, it must have been, it must have been an amazing feeling uh, for both of them, and you can see how proud they were when eventually, obviously Derek had been playing, and uh, I made my debut, I think that, my dad was, that was him, he's like, right, that's my life made now, I'm buzzing. <laughs> so it's a great feeling that, and then just to go on, as I say, to kick on and, and win things and captain and, uh, no, it's things, dreams are made, but it comes down to one thing, how much you want it and how much you're prepared to work at it. In terms of working at it, getting there, one of your heroes growing up, was Ian Duran. What was it like when you got to train and play alongside him? Yeah, well, it was pretty easy in terms of because I knew him growing up as a boy. Him and Derek were obviously really, really close. Um, but they were the two Rangers players, two local kids on the block. Um, both of them played central midfield. Derek was more of a sitter, similar to what I was. Most of my career in Durant, it was that number 10, who was bombing beyond the striker and scoring goals. Um, so to go and eventually come in and train. I mean, I got took out of school early at 15 because they were, they were worried um, about the size um, of me because I was pretty small as a, a young kid, but also probably because I didn't enjoy school and I was always getting in trouble. <laughs> That's another reason they probably took me out. Um, but to go in then and train with Guys like Ian Durant, Stuart McCall, Ian Ferguson. That uh, that was an eye opener. But you seen what these guys done, and um, they were great for me. But also at the back of the mind, they're thinking to themselves, "Who's this young kid? No way is he coming in and taking your place." So they would help you, but also when you got training with them, they wouldn't think twice of smashing you. But I liked that. I liked that. So they were obviously saying they're not prepared to give their place up for this new kid in the block. Um, so it was a, a great upbringing um, as a youngster at Rangers. John Brown and John McGregor <clears throat> were massive influences on me in terms of they were really hard, hard Archie Knox, um, Walter to a lesser extent because he was a, obviously the gaffer. But there was some times where I would come home so on the way home for, for training and think to myself, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go in and listen to John Brown and John McGregor and Archie Knox 
scream at me for eight o'clock in the morning to half five at night. But do you know what? They've done it for a reason. They've done it to see if you could you could handle that. And I'll be honest, there was some days I was thinking, ah, do you know what? <laughs> this is no for me. But then I would wake up in the morning and say, nah, right, they're not getting the better of me. I'm going to show them how much I want this. And when you speak to them now, they've done it to see if you could handle the, the expectations put on you. Because when you play at a club like Rangers, there's expectations, but most importantly, there's demands. And you've got to be able to handle the demands. And if you can't, you won't last. You won't last at Rangers. You mentioned the demands that are placed on you at a club like Rangers. You were clearly a talented kid and you were put into the, the squad under Walter Smith. Kind of sporadically at first to sort of ease you in, for wanting a better phrase. What was that debut against Hearts like? And how, how did you feel getting on the pitch and saying... Right, I'm making my debut here for Rangers, a club I've loved since I was young. Yeah, it was, uh, lo- looking back, they managed me perfectly, if I'm being honest with you. I, I was probably, I thought I was ready six, eight months before that. But obviously they're going for nine in a row at that stage. And you don't realise as a, a young kid the pressures that come with that. You're just beginning to learn the pressures. And um I'm thinking to myself, I'm never going to get a chance here. And I kept going to John Brown and John McGregor. Come on, I'm playing in the reserves at that stage, which I thought was brilliant. I'd be training, sorry, playing with guys on a Tuesday that had played 200, 300 league games. So you were learning off them, playing in their games. And you were doing really well. And you were thinking, right, Archie and Walter are there. And you've played really well. And you're still not getting that opportunity. Um, but eventually it came at Tynecastle and, you know, I was, how could I describe it? I was, basically, I was absolutely shitting myself when I get told. Um, but that's, again, you're thrust into the, the limelight. Um, never forget it, five minutes into the game. You remember Neil Poynton, the left yep. back? Absolute smash me. And I was in a daze for about five minutes. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'll need to... Um, I need to start going to the gym every single day here. Uh, so that was a learning curve. And then the following season, obviously going for 10. Again, I thought that I maybe I should, should have got more opportunities, but you don't really understand. Again, I'll go back to the pressures that the team were under and the management were under. Um, so you, you get frustrated, but when you get that bit older, you realise that they did manage it perfectly, if I'm being honest. I, I was maybe ready to play in a first team, but at the levels at Rangers, I was probably not as ready as I thought I was. In terms of the season that Rangers were going for 10, you don't break in regularly that season, but the season after, that's when you break in and you, you don't really seem to come back out in a league and a, a winning the league in a league cup in that sort of season. What was that like? Because not only had you arrived as a first team regular, you were part, you were rightly a part of a successful team. Yeah, I mean, going for that ten in a row, I was. I, I don't know. You could look back. I, I'm not sure how many games I played, but I, I played the games that I played. Then I thought I'd done really well, so they dipped me in and then took me back out. But again, I'll go back to it at that stage. Now being experienced, you're thinking, well, he needs the experienced players, the guys who have been there. And I totally get it now at that stage. I wasn't. I was still mumping and moaning at, at Bomber and John McGregor. 
I couldn't really moan at Archie because he would he would rip your head off in a minute. Um, Walter, just I want to get near Walter. You know what I mean? Just gains that respect, total respect. So it was John, it was Bomber and John that were getting the the brunt of it for me. Um, just saying to me, listen, next season's your season. I'm thinking, what, what are they talking about that for? No knowing that Walter was going to be gone and obviously Dick Advocate was coming in. And that was where really my my Rangers career really took off. Um, I had just signed a new contract a year before that. And at the end of the 10 in a row season, I still had two years remaining of that contract. But they brought us in and says to us that Dick Advocates want to wrap your contract up and give you a new five-year contract. And I'm thinking to myself, right, but I've never seen the guy. I don't get that. Why do you want to give me a five-year contract? Not knowing that he had every single reserve game recorded and sent back to him in, in Holland and then watched it. And he'd obviously seen the first team games that I had played in, in that season. And um, spoke to him on the phone in the summer and says, look, I um, want to build a team around about you. And at 19, just I, I just turned 19 at that. I'm thinking this is a guy who has managed at the top level, a guy who's got unbelievable experience, want to build a team round about you. And obviously, you know, back then, the money that he was going to be, going, be spending on players like Arthur Newman's, Van Bronckhurst, and I was a boy for Hamilton in the middle of the park, getting the team built round about me. It was a great feeling and that. That gave me that extra bit of confidence to to go and kick on. Um, so, as I say, for a guy like Dick Advocate, to put that belief in a a young player at such a a young age um, was was great. And I never kind of looked back back after that. I was that was it. That was a time where I just loved playing in that team. Loved it. Loved the players that he signed. Loved the mentality of them. Um, and we went on to become a, a really successful team. You, you mentioned the fact you go on to become a successful team. Dick Advocate clearly believes mm-hmm. in you. You win the Football Writers Player of the Year, 99-2000 season. You're still a really young player. You're part of a team that's winning the league, the Scottish Cup. What's that like as a young player? And was it ever hard? I suppose maybe hard's the wrong word, but hard mentally in the sense that because you are so young, do you just take it in your stride or is there challenges that come with that? Yeah, it's a bit different when you're young. You, you don't realise until maybe a month or two after the awards and you think, right, you look at a list of players that have won these awards and you think to yourself, right, what's the next thing to do? Right, can I win it again? Can I win all the awards? Can I go and better that season and performance? I was always one that I always strive to improve. Um, I, Watched a lot. Look, I'm like yourself, probably. I'm a football buff. I, I love watching all sorts of football, whether it's junior, junior level or whether it's top end elite football. I just love it. And I used to go and watch the, the top central midfielders. And also, I was lucky in the fact that I, I would come up against some of them playing with Rangers um, in a European sense, but also here at that stage and domestically in the, the Scottish League 
There was a lot of top midfielders as well. So you just wanted to be the best and thrive to be the best. And that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted. I wasn't happy we just won a award. I wanted to win that award again or win the, whether it was a PFA award or whether it was a sports writers award. I wanted to win or whether it was a club award. I just wanted to win everything. And to do that, I'll go back to it. It demands hard work. And I was always willing to learn. If you ask any player that's played with me, I'm sure you've interviewed a, a few. Always one of the hardest trainers. That's one thing about us. I enjoyed the hard work. Um, I enjoyed getting out of the training run and, and trying to make myself better or fitter or stronger. So that was it. That was it. You were made captain of Rangers at 22. You're playing Champions League football with the club. You're winning titles. Been made captain mm -hmm. at that young age. How did you take that on? Because, to be fair, not many 22-year-olds could captain a club the size of Rangers. Yeah, it was a, I'll be honest with you, it was a strange feeling. I got called in. It was a team meeting that I'd get called. Um, and there was always a few rumours what was going to be happening. Big Ammo, him and Dick. Uh, Never seen eye to eye in terms of Dick was really straight, big ammo, the Italian style, and didn't like criticism. Um, Dick gave him a bit a few times. Whether Dick was right or wrong, look, that's between they two. I thought some of it was right, and I thought some of it was a bit harsh. Um, so there was a team meeting called, and before all the guys obviously got into the dressing room. And I get called to the, the manager's office, uh, Ibrooks, and Arthur Newman get called with us. So I'm thinking, right, maybe he's changing the captaincy, maybe he's giving it to Arthur because he's an experienced player. And maybe he's thinking, right, Scottish, let me make you a vice captain, learn off Arthur, and then maybe in a year or two take, take on uh, the captaincy and go forward. And then I just walked into the office and he just says to me, you are the new captain. I just looked at him. And I, what would you want me to say? He's like, yes or no? And I thought to myself, I'm just getting offered the captaincy. I'm going to take it, obviously. <laughs> and he just shook my hand. He says, right, get into the dressing room. I'm going to tell the players. And I've got a bonus for you. Uh, that walk for the manager's office to the dressing room is probably about, 20 yards uh, um, everything was going every single emotion was going through me I was just thinking about how proud I was I'm 5 foot 11 I must have felt about 7 foot 5 I was cuddling half on the way down and he's like you're crazy Scott get off and I'm like hey, I'm the captain I can't believe this so walks in and all the boys are obviously staring at you so I was desperate to tell them but obviously that's the managers Um. That's the manager's gig. So he's waiting a minute, two minutes. I'm thinking, going to hurry up here. I'm just desperate to tell the guys. And he comes in and they just announced it. And I've got to be honest with you, every single player, whether it was Neil McCann or Craig Moore or Sergio Perini or uh, Arthur Newman, I could go through a, a whole list of them. Every single one would come up to me and says, well done, you deserve it. And Big Ammo was the same. Come up to me and, again, I'd never really seen eye to eye with Big Ammo at times with a few ding-dongs on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, but he showed us 
total respect and I'm thinking to myself, right, 22 and I've got guys in here that have played the World Cups and European Championships and I've played 400, 500 senior games but I've got to be honest with you, every single one of the squads were there to help me because I was a new captain learning things and it was always going to take, take me a bit of time but I had to learn quick um, and I learned quick because my teammates were a massive help to me, massive help to me and Without them, I wouldn't have become the captain that I became. So it was down to my teammates. A massive percentage of that was down to the, the help and the the chats that I could go to any of the experienced ones and sit down and have a cup of tea and ask them, what, what, what way should I do this? But that's what teammates are for. That's what you call proper teammates in my eyes. In terms of yourself being the Rangers captain, the rivalry with Celtic obviously is what lots of people out with Scottish football will mention. See being the captain leading Rangers into battle against Celtic, what was that like for you being a boyhood fan? Is it is it easy to kind of overrode by the occasion or were you just on, as you've talked about with the management and your captain saying other games, just in that zone where it didn't matter if it was Celtic, Motherwell, Queen's Park, it was the same, the same tunnel vision you had? Yeah, I, eventually I got to that. I'll be honest with you, my first two or three old firm games kind of passed me by. I let the emotions get the better of me. Um, but I quickly learned that you can't let that happen because you'll just get trampled on. Um, I wouldn't say I get trampled on the first two or three games. I would say it kind of passed me by and I couldn't grab the game by the scruff of the neck the way that I would have wanted to. So I probably let the kind of supporting side of me get the better of the footballing side. So I learned that quickly. I'd probably say two or three games I got to grips with the football side of it and that hour and a half before the game I learned to just focus on what I'd done with all the rest of the games because let's be honest it is a football game but on the other side it's your biggest rivals so you've got to you've got to work round about that and as I say I eventually got to that emotional side right take that away Make sure you go out and you perform and make sure you're leading your team to the front and showing whether you're winning or drawing or getting beat. Make sure you're driving them for the front. And as I say, as I got to grips with it after two or three um, old firm games. You mentioned the fact you get to grips with it. In the cup final, old firm game, you scored a goal. What's that like? Yeah, I let the emotions go there for about 30 seconds. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it was the same. Um, I scored, I, I was lucky enough to score three goals um, against them. And listen, I'm all for celebrations. I think now you're seeing players getting booked for getting in to celebrate with the most important people in football, and that's the fans. Go and let them, go and celebrate and have your 15, 20, 25, 30 seconds uh, Enjoy with your um, your own people. Uh, you know, it's a, a great feeling. Um, probably that game's up there with the probably emotions of the game are crazy. I mean, if you look back in both teams, the Rangers team had some fantastic players in that, but also the, the players that Celtic had. I mean, you Petrovs, Larsons, Sutton's, Hartsons, all these kind of guys and we had the Boers and Newmans and 
uh, players like that, Neil McCann's. So, no, a score against your rivals is, is special, but once you do it, you've got to get back. You've, you've got to enjoy it, as I said, but refocus again. Nothing's won. Nothing's won um, until that whistle goes. But I'll be honest with you, it is a good feeling. You mentioned it's a good feeling, especially as a boyhood player. And before we come to the treble season um, under Alex McLeish, you talked about some of the players you played alongside the Rangers there, the De Boers. You had obviously Mikel Arteta. You had so many players, Celtic and Larson, Suttons and, and players like that, as you've mentioned. That era of Scottish football, I think now more so than ever, is looked back on as a really golden era because of the, the yep. standard of players that were involved. What was it like to play in that era of Scottish football? Because... You looked at those title races and they always went to the wire and and in, in terms of the cups as well, it was like old firm finals. There was there was there wasn't too much between both sides. Um I mean I'm proud. I'll be honest with you, proud to play in that I, I can speak for the Rangers team that I played in. I mean you go on, you you played with guys like Van Bronckhurst and guys like Claudia Arena. I mean, what a fantastic footballer that guy was. Um, I'd never really heard of him, this American that's playing over in, in Germany with sign. And when you see him on the training ground, you're thinking to myself, this guy, can, he could play central midfield, he could play wide right, right back. You put him anywhere on the pitch, the guy was phenomenal. Um, and guys like, you know, go back to my own guys, like Scottish guys, Neil McCann. I mean, Neil McCann was, what a player he was for, for Rangers. I loved him. He'd been any of my teams. Any of my teams. You'd want him in the trenches with you. I mean, you look at Terry. Um, that's what he's called. His nickname. You look at him and you think five foot seven, nothing off. By the way, he was one, um, one guy that you would want to take to war with you. Uh, and also, fantastic footballer in terms of old-fashioned winger. Just get the ball and get to that byline and whip balls in. And then Craig Moore's in this world as well, another centre-half who I don't think people knew how good he was until now you look back and you see all these games on, on TV, obviously with a lockdown. I mean, what a centre-back he was. So it was a privilege to play in all these, uh, all these Rangers teams and all the players. And you forget to mention some of them, which I don't like doing. So every single player, I mean, in the early days, well, fantastic to play with, fantastic teammates, and um, I learned a hell of a lot of them. And then, on the flip side of it, they're playing against a top Celtic team. Top Celtic team. This is the guys that I mentioned, Neil Lennon, Alan Thompson's Petrovs, Didi Agat, uh, Larson, Hartson, Sutton, guys who... Top end footballers. So their games against Celtic were unbelievable games to play in. Five minutes you had been top, you'd maybe score, then they would come at you. It was like a real ding dong, real ding dong, and it was a, a real privilege to play in them. And also, don't forget like the Hearts and Hibs and Aberdeens. If you look back at their teams and models at that stage as well, some really top players in their teams. So it was really healthy, the league at that stage. A, a, a lot, a lot of very good footballers um, in our league. And kind of great so many times when people have a pop at, at Scottish football. You look back at that that era, 
we'd have took any English teams at the top of their game at that stage. No doubt in my mind about it. One of the things that interests me to ask you about that era of Scottish football, and I don't know if this is the case because I've never been a player, I've never played for Rangers or Celtic. See, when you're playing for Rangers or Celtic, can you can you socialise with players from the other side at all? Did you ever do that? No, socialise, but if you, you bumped into them, if you were out in a restaurant having a bite eat and a couple of drinks with your missus, or you were out and say, no, as a team, but say you were out with maybe three or four teammates and you bumped into them, no problem at all. No problem at all. Um, I was a big believer on when you cross that white line, it's a war. You're playing against the, your rivals and you want to take blood. That was it. And But see, before the game, you respect them. You respect who you're coming up against. But you cross that white line, the respect flies out the window. But if you bumped into them in a bar, in a restaurant, yeah, I had a few beers with many Celtic players in a, in a night out. Um, I don't think that should be a problem. I really don't. Uh, your professionals at the end of the day, you're taking a, a break away from the football. Yep, your rivals. Yep, you want to, to beat the crap out of each other during the game to win. Um, but outside it, of course, there's, there's respect. And if you bumped into them, you would have a chat and a, a beaver. And I, I was one that never had a problem with that at all. The treble season something I, I want to come to next because you think of that Celtic team you were up against to win a domestic treble in any era is something that's fondly remembered. But to do it against the team with those players you mentioned in, not only that, the season you win the treble, you score 18 goals from midfield, you get the, the Scottish Football Writers Player of the Year and the PFA Players Player of the Year. Describe that season for me for you. Well, it's come back to what you, you mentioned 10, 15 minutes ago. It's how can I better get in the first award? Uh, can I go and win the, the double award? Can I, at that season, Dick had says to me, because um, we'd, we'd an array of talented midfielders at that stage. Um, guys that could play in the number six role where I really enjoyed to play. We would maybe work on things in the, mat, the gaffer, uh, would have a wee chat with me and say, look, um, I'm going to play you a bit further forward. And I started popping a few goals in. I'm thinking to myself, I'm liking this position. I'm like, uh, I'm enjoying it. I can also go and get involved in the build-up play, but I can get on the end of things. Um, but I remember Dick saying to me um, when I started, when he put me in the roles and then Alec continued uh, later on, he says to me, where do you enjoy playing? And I says to him, number six. And he's like, ah, right, great. But where do you really enjoy playing? And I'm thinking, I'm looking at him like that, right? enjoy the number eight. Number eight normally is a guy that bombs forward and he's done that. How long do you want to play in your career? And I'm looking at him like, what's he talking about here? And I'm like, I want to play as long as I can. He says, if you want to get over the age of 33, you're playing at a very good level. Go back to number six. And it always kind of stuck in my head because if you look back at it, there's probably only one or two players like a Frank Lampard have been on to they play, I think, about 35, 36. If you want to play that further forward midfielder, they tend to you know, retire or maybe go down the levels. 
as they got older. So that was a good piece of advice at back in at number six. And it got me to 37. So I'd imagine if I played the, the number eight role, I may have only got to 33, 34. So, um, but I enjoyed both roles. I did. But going on, going on that year, that was a great year personally, obviously, with the, the awards um, to the, the sports writers. But the, the big award for us when it's your opponents, it's the guys that you come up against. Now, I wasn't probably the easiest opponent in terms of I was on the pitch snarling. And as I say, Stephen, I crossed that white line. I'd do anything when I gave me football. Um, so to get the awards for your fellow professionals, is they're the best ones. They are the best ones. And then to chip in with 18 goals and then come in the end of the season to get a treble. It's, it's crazy when you, you think back on it. And sometimes you forget things it's good to do these things with with yourself that you, you kinda of mind. So sometimes you forget who actually what you achieved. So but I'll go back to it. It was all down to hard work and trying to always better yourself um each and every season. Winning the treble, winning those individual awards, having been at the top of your game with Rangers, when there was interest from England, was it just one of those things where you thought to yourself I've achieved everything I want to up here. I've captained the club. I've won a treble. I've won individual awards. I've played Champions League. I've done all that. Maybe it's time for a new challenge. Um, thinking back, yeah, you, you get a wee bit of that. I didn't want to really leave Rangers, if I'm being honest with you. But at that stage, you could sense there was something going on in the background. Alec was going to have to be cutting or the manager I can't remember who the manager I mixed up with all these years you're, you're talking about here but I, I, there was talk about cutbacks the squad getting cut back people getting sold who, who's the value in the, the squad who can get, get money so I kind of I, I never ever went in and chat, knocked the door and says look I want to go I always let them come to me Um at the end of the day, Rangers is my team, and uh, I would leave a decision up to Rangers and whatever kind of deal they thought was acceptable to them. Then I would then have to come to a decision. That's the way I kind of looked at it. Um, so I never get kind of carried away, or I never really thought of the clubs that had come in and inquired about me. Um, I just wanted to try and concentrate and doing what you try and do best, and that's playing football on the pitch. In terms of the move to England, obviously Blackburn Rovers came in, Graham Souness is there. Was he a big part of going to Blackburn? Because when people talk about you, especially now in hindsight, as you're aware, you could have played at the big six clubs. Yep. Um, I, I had a number of offers to go elsewhere, but the poorly as soon as, I mean, you mentioned Graham Souness. And... I remember growing up as a kid and watched him in some of the games and seeing what he had achieved. And then he went on to be a, a top manager at, at top clubs. Um, and I just spoke to him on the phone and I thought, no, do you know what? I fancy if it's going to happen, the move, which eventually it did have to happen. I picked Blackburn. In hindsight, when I had to pick, it was probably know the right club in terms of where people thought I had to go or where I should have went, should I say. Um, 
But I, I had a I had a great time at, at Blackburn. I felt I get made really welcome. The fans took to me, and all the staff from about the place were were great with me. Um, but I got a serious injury after four months of signing, a career threatening injury. Um, so that kind of how could I put it stalled the move a wee bit because it was one of the ones it was a waiting game to see if I could recover truly for the, the serious knee operation that I got and thankfully Blackburn sent me to the the top guy the top surgeon and I had the top uh, physio Dave Fever his name was uh, who put me through an absolute nightmare seven months of rehab but it was the rehab that got me back to being a hundred percent again, um, so I don't I don't tend to look back and and regrets. I, I'm a big believer in. I'm a, I never look back and think, oh, I should have done that or I should have done this. I, I look back in my career fondly because I've done what thousands and thousands and thousands of people would love to do, and that's play football professionally. Um, so I'm not one of the guys where you hear some people saying, nah, I should have maybe done this or done that. Look, it happened. It was the path that it went. And I enjoyed every minute of it. Apart for the, the, the injury at Blackburn and then apart for um, the, the defeats, I always look back at my career fondly. What was playing in the Premier League like? And you mentioned the defeats there. It was one of the things that was hard for you. And I always think this when a, a Celtic or Rangers player who's prominent gets down to England. See, when you get down there, you're, you're coming for Rangers. Or the, you've got other players that have went down, like Petrov, that have came for Celtic. You're, when, you know when you're at one of those two Glasgow clubs, you need to win every week. And if you don't win every week, yeah. two defeats in a row is a crisis. Do you know what I mean? Whereas down in England, for Blackburn, if Blackburn get four points out of nine, Depending on the fixtures, fans will accept that. Was that hard to get your head around coming down with your winning mentality? Um, I'm glad you said that. That's one thing that I just couldn't understand. Um, a draw, you get clapped off. And I'm thinking to myself, if I drew at Ibrooks, we would be getting, <laughs> we'd be getting absolute hammered. Because that is it. It's about winning. Um, but it's a difference in clubs up here. That's, that, that Rangers and Celtic are humongous humongous clubs and going down there that was probably the one thing at the clubs I played at that um, look don't get me wrong every club wants to win but it wasn't a disaster down there it's up here you draw a game it's no acceptable you lose a game it's an absolute disaster so that's that's one of the things that I found strange because you get brought up on uh, at Rangers it's about winning and it's only about winning. And I tell you what, if you don't do it, the fans will be quickly in telling you that that's not acceptable. Absolutely. And that winning mentality, as we've talked about, a big part of your career, you get out to Blackburn, you do well. People forget this, but you actually captained the club down there as well. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, in the end, was coming back to Rangers too good to turn down? I had decided that there was a, again at that stage uh, as soon as it went to Newcastle Mark Hughes came in and I've got to be honest with you um, Mark Hughes was brilliant brilliant loved his, his training loved his training um, 
and he came to me and says, there's a few clubs inquired about you, um, but I want you to stay here. And I was like, right, no problem. But then obviously you go away and you start thinking about it and you find out through various people who the clubs are. And then one of the clubs were, were, were Rangers. And it's just a lure, I'll be honest with you. It's just a lure of a club that means a lot to you, a club that you support it as a young kid. There was other clubs that were big clubs trying to get into European positions in the Premier League. I just wasn't interested. I wasn't interested. Once I knew that Rangers were wanting me to come back, there was only one place that I wanted to go. Um, and that was back up the road. So that was a big decision I had to... It was a big decision because I'd actually moved the family down um, to Lytham. And the kids, older one corner, he just started, he was obviously at primary school and Kyle had um, just went into primary one, I think. And my daughter Cara was uh, starting nursery. So it was a big upheaval again. But I just wanted to get them back up the road. And as I say to you, uh, once you're a club, it means a lot to you. And as I say, as you grow up, support them, come in for you. There was only one way. Not, nothing even came into consideration. I, I wasn't even interested in other clubs. So that's the way it panned out. And I nearly did. I mean, it was on and off the last last 40 years of the transfer window. It was an absolute nightmare because it was on and off, on and off, on and off. And thankfully, it got passed through the last five minutes, I think, just before the window shut. So it nearly didn't, didn't happen. Going back to Rangers, see, because you were the captain, you'd won the treble, etc. See, when you come back, and although you're a Rangers man, you've captained the club, you're technically a new signing. Was, was that different getting into the dressing room at that stage, being the Barry Ferguson that was returning rather than the one that had been there since a kid? Uh, yeah, because you come through halfway through the season. Um, it was obviously different. I, everywhere I've been, I've captained, obviously, Rangers. I was very successful there as a captain before and I come back in and it's one of the things I actually spoke to, to Alex about, Mark McLeish. I says to him, I says, look, I ain't interested in looking for that armband. No, halfway through a season. Uh, Fernando, God, uh, God bless him, um, was the captain at the time. And uh, I wanted him to continue but I wasn't interested. Fernando actually had said to me, um, no, I want you to have it. It means so much to you. Obviously, it meant a lot to Fernando, but he knew my background. I was like, look, I'm not interested. Let's just go on the pitch and let's try and get this title won. That's the only thing that crossed my mind. I wasn't interested in getting an armband. We can sort that out in the summer if we want to or whatever. Let's just concentrate on, on getting uh, silverware. Uh, back to Ibrox. Um so it, it was a strange because you're normally used to leading a team out um, onto the pitch and but look your performances you try and make your performances drive people on and that's the way I kind of I kind of looked at that final four month coming up uh, signing for Rangers again you come up you win the the league cup you win the the title as well in dramatic fashion but one of the players before we talk about what that was like I want to talk to you about Stadio Purcell what was he like to play with because he was he was a guy who had so much stature within football 
Uh, see, there's another name you mentioned, Dado. I mean, Dado couldn't train every single day. His, his knee had a knee issue. But he's another guy uh, you want to train. She's with you. Um, I wouldn't like to mess about with him. I wouldn't like to meet him up a dark alley. Uh, <laughs> Dado. Uh, when you get him angry, you're in, you're in serious trouble. But on the pitch, love playing with him. Um, gave you everything. Gave you everything. A real warrior um, and a real top player. Real top player. He was great to play with. I enjoyed. I would have loved to have seen Dado 100% fit. We never, I don't think Rangers ever, you'll probably, if you ever speak to, to Dado, I don't think he was ever 100% fit, but he showed. He didn't show that. He didn't show he had problems on the pitch, which he went through a lot of pain. And I take my hat off to people like that. Because uh, you could see him after a game, two days after a game, his, his knee packed with ice and, and really struggling to, to walk at times. Um, but no, he was he was a top player, as I said. Just I would have loved to have seen him 100% fit. He would have been an absolute machine. In terms of winning the title on the last day, what was that like? Because it was to and fro that whole season. Well, I know you were only there for the second half, but the whole season uh, was back and forth, back and forth. Uh, crazy. It's one of the ones where obviously everybody goes back to Helicopter Sunday. and um, Just strange. Let's be honest with you. You've got to, you've got to go with a mentality. That you, first and foremost, you've got to go and win the game at Easter Road. That's it. You've got to go and win. You can't, you, you can't do anything at Fur Park. You can't, you can't know what's going to go on. You can't rely on Motherwell to get anything. But also, there's that bit where you're going to. Uh, I mean, you do think about it. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to go out and be professional and just do your job first and foremost. Um, but when you're actually playing in the game and then you're you're hearing things, things in the stands, you're you're seeing the fans celebrating. You think to yourself. No, no way. And you're looking around at the dugout and everybody's talking to each other. They've got earphones in and I on. I'm thinking, what's going on? No, Mother are, are winning here. And I'm like, oh my, this is, this is, this is surreal. Surreal because you fully expect that Celtic team to go to first partner. Mother had good players, don't get us wrong. But in a normal circumstance, you'd expect. Celtic to, to go and win that game but you've just got as I says sometimes you get a bit of luck as well but to win that game and get that feeling of, of winning the trophy in the last day and I, I was thankful I had the experience before in the treble season uh, when we beat them firmly and Celtic were down at Kilmarnock so I had the experience that and I had passed my knowledge on to a couple of the guys to tell them look you can't think about what's going on over at Fur Park you've got to fully focus on your job What's in front of you? Do that, and then nobody can have any argument. Uh, sorry, arguments. That you go out and you produce the goods, get the victory, and then you're hopeful that something happens or at first part. And thankfully, it did. And uh, I'll be honest with you, we certainly celebrated. <laughs> you you mentioned the fact that you won the title. You celebrate. The next season was a bit of a tougher season. You get reappointed the captain, but you, you play through the season with, with a with an ankle injury. What was 
was that something that, with hindsight, you maybe regret doing in the sense that if you'd got it sorted sooner, it might not have caused you to have many more operations throughout the years? No, I don't regret it. I'll be honest with you, a lot of people ask me this. I never get forced to play in a game. The, the choice was totally down to myself, whether I took an injection uh, into the ankle to relieve a bit of the pain. Um, I don't regret it, no, I, I don't. Was my performances at the level that I wanted? No, they weren't. But I still went out there and gave 100%. Um, I wasn't willing to let not just Rangers down and the fans, most importantly my, my teammates. So I was prepared to take that gamble, knowing in the future it might come back and kick me in the arse. So, which it did. It did, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I had to get various operations. I had to continually get injections every three months, which is no ideal for your ankle. Uh, but that that's... That's the things you do. That's that. That was just me. Maybe other players are different, but I wanted to try and play in every single game. Um, if I didn't think I could go out and do the team any justice, I wouldn't do it. Um, I still thought my performances were okay, but they they weren't what they should have been. Um, but no, I, I get asked it quite a lot. Do you regret taking injections and whatever? No, I don't. I, I really don't. It's it's my decision. Uh, I take full responsibility uh, for that decision uh, of taking them. In terms of McLeish, she leaves the club and Paul Le Guin comes in. You've been over this many, many times, so I'm not going to ask you to dwell yep. on it for the next hour. But he brought in lots of foreign players at the time, the likes of Jeremy Clement, Carol Svensson, many others. Mm-hmm. What was... What was that season like from your perspective? We know the situation, there's been rumoured fallouts here and there, but what was the season like? Because from the outside looking in, he brought in these guys who were successful with him, obviously being at Leon, Jeremy Clement and stuff, but you know what it's like yourself, a lot of the players over the years that have come into Scottish football from abroad don't necessarily adapt as quickly as you think they will. Well, first, when they come in, I was excited because you, you just need to look at Paul Gwen's track record in terms of Leon. I mean, I'd played against Leon a number of times. Um, no, a number of times, a few times, sorry, should I say, and some fantastic players. I mean, a, a top European team. So you, you're looking forward to this guy coming in, but I'll be honest with you, I thought he was, um, he took Scottish football lightly. I think he got a shock when he came in. Um, and it's the same, not just about Le Guin. You see a lot of good players come in and struggle in Scottish football. If you if you don't respect Scottish football, you're going to get a major shock. And I think the players that he signed for Rangers, well, they were good players, but they never had the mentality to play with Rangers. And I think he took the Scottish game lightly. And I think it came back and, and bought him big time. Um, in terms of his management, uh, his management, the way he managed, I thought it was strange about no tackling and training and all that sort of stuff. I'm a big believer in you've got to train the way you play. Uh, and when I come up with this rule, the no tackling, I'm thinking to myself, this ain't going to work here. This ain't going to work. And 
One thing I'm probably guilty over his reign is keeping things inside, which normally I wouldn't. But with a manager coming in and being to a different country, you let him settle in a wee bit. But some of the things he was doing and th- some of the things he was saying in the dressing room, I'm thinking to myself, you're not getting this. This this is a place that we'll go back to away at the start that we spoke about. This is a place that's there's expectations and demands put on you. And if you don't, if you don't produce them, you're setting yourself up for a fall, and the fans will not accept it. So it, it just didn't, it just didn't work. And I'll go back to it. I was guilty of letting things build up inside, and I just let go one game, and that was up at Inverness, where previous to that he kept coming in after a, a few dodgy bad results. That it's okay, we must stick together. It's not okay, we're Rangers. This is this is Rangers. This is built on winning. This has got a tradition. So I get sick of that, uh, and I just exploded after a Inverness game up at Inverness where we get beat two one. I think it sent us to fourth or fifth in the league or something like that. And uh, I just went off in one for thirty seconds, and that was basically the end of my Rangers career. Well, what he says was the end of my Rangers career. When I came into the training centre, I think it was the I think we were off the following day. It was forty eight hours after the Inverness game. I came in and um, came into his. I actually came into the dressing room, put my bag down. Eve Kalu, the assistant manager, says the manager wants you. Shouted at me basically, about fifteen twenty yards away, and I'm thinking normally he comes over and he talks to you. So I walks into the manager's office and I went to pull a seat to sit down. He's like, you don't sit. And I'm thinking, all right, strange. And then he looked at me and he just says, you will never play with Rangers again. And then I went into a, I don't know, it was just a weird emotional sense. I went into a, I just, it was like a robot. I just walked, opened the door, went out, grabbed my bags and I'm walking down the corridors and the kit man shouting at me, Jimmy Bell, David Laverty, the masseur, a few of the players who were in getting maybe straps or whatever, shouting, Fergie, where are you going? I was just in a, a warp. I was just, my head was fully broken glass. Uh, got in the car, drove out the stadium, uh, sorry, the, the training ground, and there's an inch shot about 400 yards down on the right-hand side. I went in, parked the motor, and I just thought to myself, wow, that's it. It's finished. Um, so I phoned the missus and she just says, get home as quickly as possible. So I drove home and it was kind of just in a weird place. Weird place at the time. And I got a phone call for the chairman just to calm down and sit tight. What does that mean? There's something must be going on. And then six, seven... I can't exactly remember, six, seven, eight days, uh, he, he leaves, he leaves the job. So all this crap that, that people talk about, that there was uh, people going against him in the dressing room and all that, that, that was like a, a lot of garbage. Uh, kind of annoys you. I know you meant the time, it didn't annoy me now, because I know the truth, and there's plenty of players come out and spoke the truth about sections in the dressing room. Basically, the gist of the matter is he came, 
underestimated Scottish football um, and signed players that, that couldn't handle playing with Rangers. And the only thing I'm guilty is um, holding things in when maybe previous month or two I should have said to him, oh, this, this is not going to work. This, this is not going to happen. You can't keep coming in and telling us this is okay, we must stick together. This is Rangers, you know You've got to win. So that that was it, basically. Never had a fall with him. Never had a barn with him. Never uh, had a shout match with him. I'm Maury's assistant. Uh, he's actually, his physio he brought was a real good guy. Got on really well with him. But um, he was kind of standoffish. Not just with myself. Most of the guys. Um, strange at times. But listen, everybody's got a different way uh, of managing. You mentioned the fact that a different management style doesn't work out for him. It's well documented that it didn't. His career since mm-hmm. Rangers as well. Let's be honest, he's, he's had some interesting jobs, but he's maybe not quite get back to the levels he was at with Leon. So maybe, as you've said, that tells tells the full story. Walter and Ali mm-hmm. coming in, is that the perfect the perfect medicine for, for yourself and the boys after that era? Well, you worry, as I said, you worry because a lot of things are going flying about the press saying that um, I was leading a gang inside the dressing room or there was a, the Scottish were against everybody else, which was utter crap, as I said. Um, so you worry, obviously, Walter being a, an absolute legend and obviously Coyster being a legend at the club as well. You're still at the back of your mind, you think, what do they believe? What's going on here? So it was Plain and simple. I think it was Dundee United we played. And their return, I don't know, you might need to correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm right in that. It was, yeah. I get took into the office and he says, get the armband back on, get your strap on, you're out there. That was it. Nothing else said. Just go out and play the way that I know you can play. And that was it. Nothing, no sit down, no big chat, that's what I liked about Walter, he was just straight down the middle, there was no, just straight as a lace, right, get your captain's arm back on, you're back in central midfield, go out and, and play your game, Coyster was there as well, and I think Kenny was there, and I was like, is that me, yep, opened the door, away, get my kit on, and we went out and up to, I think they thumped Dundee United that night, absolutely battered them, and it was, just the aura. It was great to see somebody that comes in and stands tall, and you know what I mean. He's he's got that that, that aura about him. Where people stand up and take notice. It was great to see that. That's something that Rangers had missed uh, for the previous managers, like Walter away at the start, Dick, Alec, Leguens come in. Didn't they have that same as? As well, I, I never forget the team talk. It was in a minute or two maximum. I want to see the proper Rangers, what Rangers is all about, about fighting, biting, scratching, making sure you win a game of football. That's what Rangers is all about, getting three points. And we went out and we, we absolutely hammered them the United. And it was good to get back to what you had brought up in and what the traditions of a Rangers team should be. It was a successful time for the club, a successful time for yourself being back in as captain. In terms of 
Walter and Ali. We know about Walter Smith, the aura, the fact he's one of the best Rangers managers of all time. See on Ali McCoy, he's known as being the, the joker and the character, but what's he actually like as a coach? Because I feel that a lot of the time people focus on his personality rather than maybe his ability as a coach. Yeah, he, he, he took, um, at that time, there was Walter, Coyste, Kenny McDowell and Durante was was involved. And Coyste would, um, he wouldn't take much of the coaching. He was just desperate to join in in the games. He's about to join in in the five-a-sides. I was like, you're fucking coach, man. Uh, but, no, I, like, you could see there was potential in there, you know. I mean, he's he's learned off the best and, and the gaffer, Walter Smith. Uh, so you could see signs. Um, he took more of the kind of forwards, you know what I mean, doing finishing drills or whatever. Uh, and the coaching was mostly doing to, to Kenny. And then leading up to a game in terms of formation and, and working on what you're going to be doing in, in the game, then Walter would kind of take over. So they kind of just mixed it up between them all. Um, but look, Koisty could get serious as well. Because again, he was brought up what... Rangers is all about, um, and when you he's probably looking for the outside in and saying, "What's going on with that Rangers team?" You know what I mean? There's there's good players how they how they're not producing on the pitch. So something is wrong. So they come in and and certainly kicked his own again. There's need no, need no out and kicked a few arses as well, which was needed at times. That needs to happen. That need, I don't mind that at all. I don't mind if you get a a bit for the the manager or coaches. Um, I think sometimes that that's needed. There's a time and a place, obviously, for it. But certainly they come in and they they kicked us on. There's no doubt about that. They kicked us on. In terms of that time, I, I want to ask this just as a daft question: Did you ever wind Kenny McDowell up for the fact he was at Celtic for a long time? Ah, of course, every day. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things I've always every wondered. Day. Uh, yeah, I know. Look, Kenny had a great name, obviously, working on the, the kind of youth side of Celtic, but when he came in, uh, listen, he got a bit, there's no doubt, he got a bit for, for wearing that Celtic badge. Um, but I, I liked Coach. Um, he was a good guy, he was a good coach, um, but he, he settled in really quickly. You know what I mean? It's, it's good to get things like that out. I mean, it's always were getting him a bit obviously he's being at Celtic your big rivals but he took it in brilliant spirits you know what I mean he'd give a, a bit back as quickly as he got it um, but no he certainly got no just off me um, a lot of the boys he got uh, pelters In terms of the um, McCoy Smith uh, Gerard McDowell a successful time for the club you won titles again you won other cups but I want to talk to you about the obvious thing the, the UEFA Cup run, getting to the final in Manchester. You think of the journey there, you think of the players in that team, Quayler, Papach, you captain the team, Kevin Thompson's in at that time, you've got Boydie, you've got Steve Davis, um, you've got Darcheville as well. Um, what was that team spirit like getting to the final? Because you had some memorable games, Fiorentina being one of them. Yep, listen, exactly what you said there. It was the spirit of that team. We were set up in a, a certain way. Um, at home in Europe, we were kind of more open and went for teams away from home. We were, we were more rigid and, and solid and hard to beat. Um, 
But one thing I will say about that team, a lot of people ask me about the teams that you play in. Yeah, it wasn't the best footballing team. But aye, I tell you what, I had a lot of heart that team. A lot of heart. Uh, like Tom, as you mentioned, the middle of the park. Tom was not just a good football player, but liked to mix it. You had Big Jig, Lee McCulloch, you had the guys, Davy Weir, Queller, Papich, uh, Griggsy, and Goals. I mean, Griggsy away from home and Goals probably, <laughs> he kept his in the tournament. He was unbelievable. Um, so, no, that, there was a lot of good players in that. But the thing it, it got us in that run, it got us right to that final where, I'll be honest with you, we ran out of gas. We were probably running out of gas getting into the semi the amount of games we we had. But that is part of the course. See when you, you go and you go on runs like that, you yeah, you, you get tested in a limit with your squad and that. But uh, no, what that was a again that that's one of the teams I look back and say I, I was proud to play in it because they knew what it meant as well. You know what I mean? There was we, look we get some dunes. We get some absolute dunes away from home in Europe. But it was a never say die attitude about that team. You could get knocked down and get back up. It was, uh, as I said, it was a, a great a great team to play on in terms of the mentality of them. Um, and again, a really good set of boys. I was go- I'm going to come to your Scotland time later on. And again, not something I imagine you want to dwell on for too long. But No, it's all right. In terms of your the end of your time at Rangers, there was the, obviously the incident that was with yourself and Alan McGregor that was all over the papers, and it it affected both your club career and, and international career in the sense that it stuck to the captaincy. Your reputation at that time took a bit of a hit, whether r- rightly or wrongly. How do you reflect in that time, and how tough was that mentally for you? Because you were on the front page and back page every single day. Yeah, well, it, it took a lot. Ultimately, it was at the it was the end of my Scotland career and my Rangers career. So no, through no fault of MDLs apart from my own stupidity. That's what it was. Um, I, I I'm no type of person, and you know if anybody knows me, they'll tell you what I'm. I'm, I'm straight. I'm not going to hide away from things like that. I don't. It's one of the ones where I keep looking back and. People ask me about regrets in football. It was probably that because I was proud to play with Scotland. I'd done again every boy's dream, play with the club I supported. You want to obviously play with your country. Country means a lot to me. I'm a, pr- I'm a proud Scotsman. And then to captain your country, it's a pinnacle, is it not? It's a pinnacle. Then to have that taken away from you, from your own stupidity, I could give myself a, a right kick up the arse, slap in the face, whatever you want to call it, it's uh, it's a hard one, it's a hard one, but you have to deal with it, you, I had to deal with the consequences, and the consequences were, were harsh, but they were fair, I've got to be honest with you, I realised what I had done, um, it was the end of my career, the only thing I will say is the way it ended with Scotland, I would rather get told face to face, or on a phone even, but no be a fax, but that's for another podcast. Um, and the end of my Rangers career, I basically get told that that, that would be it. So, okay, suspended, fair play to Walter. 
he, he let me come in and when he didn't need to let me come in and play and lift the title. He didn't need to do that. Um, but the hardest thing was after that, going back and I went back with my missus. Like everybody, what normally happens at Rangers, you go back and you see all your, your family and you celebrate. I left five, ten minutes. I, I left. I wanted them to go and celebrate. That was the end for me. I had to get out because it was too emotional. I was far too emotional. Because um, it was just a big build-up. Rangers ended Scotland end of career. So it was a time of reflection in the summer. Time of reflection. Because I had to reinvent myself, basically. There was a lot of clubs interested in me. But the managers would come back and say, and ah, the board are not sure because of what happened with the Scotland thing. And I'm thinking, right, you're the manager, you're not going to take a chance on me. No, it's the, obviously the board's decision. I don't want to shell out that type of transfer fee and obviously wages and all that come into it. So it was it was a tough time and it came down to it. There was two or three clubs that eventually come back and says, right, we're going to take the gamble on you. I'm thinking, gamble? And when I got told it was a gamble, I just changed me totally again. I was like, right, do you know what? I'm going to show and I'm going to show people that um, I made a massive mistake, but everybody deserves a second chance. And I went away. I decided to obviously go to Birmingham because I knew Alec. And I just felt it was a right fit for me as well when I went to the club and I looked around about it and I thought to myself, I like it. I'll get away down here. I kept the family up in Scotland. Um, I commuted. It's only 40 minutes down in a plane. And I thought to myself, that's my time to go and spend and work even harder. And I did. And I gave it everything um, when I went down there. But when you look back, it, it was it was a tough time. Tough time mentally. But you've got to come through them. You've got to spoke to a lot of people and done a, a lot of soul searching and reflection on myself and thankfully I come through it you know what I mean I come through it and I went on to be successful again. You go on to be successful again and you mentioned the fact that let's be honest that was a time where you could easily have sunk but you swam and you got on with it you get out to England and not only that you're playing at Birmingham but you win a major trophy down there you win the League Cup and you'll get some people saying ah it's only the League Cup but it's a major trophy in England and how many Scottish players went to England and never won a trophy, never mind one of the major ones? Yeah, that was, um, it was a surprise because when you leave a massive club, you, and then Birmingham, let's be honest, we, we just wanted to survive in the Premier League. That was the finishing fourth bottom would have been an achievement in, its, in itself. Uh, so the first season, we were really successful. We finished, I think, seventh or eighth. I can't, I can't remember. We finished top half anyway, and then the second season, we gone and we won the League Cup against a top, top Arsenal team. So to go down and, and win another trophy was a nice surprise, to be honest with you, because you think that's the end of your, your days of going up and collecting that gold medal and lifting a trophy. So And it was another way of saying, listen, do you know what? I'm not away yet. I'm not away yet. Yep, I've made an arse something that I, I regret, but I'm one of the ones you can't, you can't just sit still. I'm a big believer in that, like when it's easy for me to just go away and, and just bury myself. I had to 
be a man. Basically, and stand up and say, I have made an absolute, complete arsey what I've done. I apologise. That's all you can do. And I want to move. I want, I want to move forward. And I want to show that I've still got something to offer the game. And I'm thankful Birmingham gave me that opportunity. And again, I had the opportunity to go back to Scotland. They wanted me to go back and play, but I spoke to Craig Levine and Mick Oliver at the time, who was the kind of chief scout of Scotland. He'd go and scout players, or watch players, sorry, to see how they were doing it at their clubs. But I just says to Craig that I, I would have went back in a heartbeat. I would have, but it would have just been a circus. Around about me coming back, and I don't think that's fair to my teammates. I really don't. So I just wanted to be about Scotland and about the players at Scotland, not about Oh, here's Barry Ferguson back. Oh, let's um, just talk about him. It's not about one individual. It's about Scotland as a, a national football team. And I just felt um, it was right. That was the right decision. Be it I was desperate to come back. Desperate. But I think it was the right decision. In terms of uh, that final, am I right in saying you played the last hour with a broken rib? Um, no. I got the broken rib after 15, 20 minutes and went into extra time. Uh, it was Jack Walsh, actually, need me in the ribs. And it was sore at the time, but you know what got me through that? It was just sheer adrenaline. I was, obviously, get through the game. We get, I wouldn't say overran. We were set up again, similar to Rangers in Europe, away from home. We knew Arsenal had top quality players, but we had to just kind of frustrate them and we'd done that. Eventually, we, we got that one. But, yeah, I broke two ribs. Um, I couldn't go to the, the party afterwards, which, um, as a lot of people know me, I do enjoy a party. <laughs> so, you miss that with your teammates. Was, was gutted. Uh, I was absolutely gutted. Um, so, I was on injections and morphine. And the uh, hotel, the doctor had set me up and so I had a wee party in my room uh, just with my wife and a couple of the other family members that were done. I had one glass of wine and obviously with the medication, bang, I was out. <laughs> I was out but there's, there you go. But I made up for it once I was I was free uh, for, for pain. I made sure we went out as a team and, and celebrated because I'm a big believer in listening when you win things, you've got to celebrate them. Absolutely. Two things I want to talk to you about your time with Birmingham. Players Player of the Year, and you were also the player with the highest number of completed passes in the whole of the Premier League in 2009-10, which for me just sums up. A lot of people say, oh, Barry Ferguson, I was the, it was a captain, the leader at Rangers, but he didn't do much when he went down in England. For me, winning a major trophy in that start proves otherwise. Yeah, look, look listen, I used to let things like that annoy me that uh, he went down there and he, he did all right. But I, I know how well I've done that. I know that uh, it wasn't the biggest clubs that I went to. Um, but for me, it's when you go and you get a feeling at a club. And certainly Birmingham was, I'll be honest with you, I, I, just, I knew as soon as I walked into the place that it was for me. Just the people um, who worked at it just made me feel really welcome and I settled in really quick and the fans took to me straight away and as you says, uh, I won Player of the Year awards uh, down there and 
obviously the Opta, I think it was, yeah. award as well. So, no, look, um, again, I look back in Birmingham with a lot of fond memories and I still keep in contact with people down there. Uh, and it's a place that I'll always have a part in my my heart, if you, if you want to say it that way. Um, look, Rangers is um, the biggest part of it, but Birmingham was a, a two-year period where I absolutely loved Met a lot of great teammates again as well, and a lot of great people run about the club. I'm going to put you on the spot with this one, Barry. Um, yep. See, when you came to leaving Birmingham, obviously they had to reduce their wage bill. You went to Blackpool, uh, but was there ever an opportunity to come back with Scotland with a club that wasn't Rangers? No. No. No, uh, plain and simple. that I wouldn't come back and play with another club. I'll be honest with you, I would find it difficult. Um, I know players, quite a few players have done it, but I had that in my mind. I had That was my mindset that um, if it came to where I had nowhere to go, um, I wouldn't come back to Scotland and play my football. I wouldn't. Um, I just wouldn't feel right coming up against Rangers, if I'm being honest with you. Look, a lot of people will disagree with that. That's just the way that... that I feel about it. Um, no, so I never had the opportunity. Um, I never spoke about that opportunity um, with the people who are looking after me at the time. So that was one that they, they would never have came to me because I'd said to them that um, if there is nothing on the table and something does come to Scotland, I don't even want to know. Um, so that's that was that one. In terms of Blackpool, you finish your career, you, you play Blackpool, you, you have a loan spell also at, at Fleetwood Town. We all know the fact you took over as caretaker, you, you keep them up that season as manager as well. What was the last few years of your career like with Blackpool and Fleetwood? Probably frustrating because I, I was coming to the stage where I couldn't do what I could do previously on a football pitch. Um, you hear a lot of ex-players talk and <coughs> say... Um, whether you, you lose that half a yard or you, you're, you're not as sharp as you were once before. Um, but when I probably got to 36, the, a year before I retired, I, I was um, that's when I started to really feel problems. From my previous, obviously, career-threatening injury at Blackburn, in my two ankles, um, as have been, uh, sorry, well-documented that I've had a number of operations on both and a number of injections. So I kind of knew I was coming to the end, but I had that bit of pride. I could still run a game. I could still feel that I could compete. Um, but when you're in the championship down there, you know yourself, it's it's 46 games, it's three games a week. It's, it is intense and it's, an, it's a real physical league as well. Um, so I look, I look back my time at Blackpool and the first year was great because we got to the playoff final. Obviously disappointing getting beat um, and that. Second and third year, what a, but it was just a crazy club. The chairman was an absolute nut job. You know what I mean? He was a... Uh, one minute he's all right, next minute when he talked to you, it was just crazy, crazy. Um, but I tell you, it's a club that now I've seen has been took over. It's got so much potential, Blackpool. So much potential. Um, so hopefully they they can now kick on with the new ownership. But again, 
I met a lot of good people down there and I made a lot of new friends through whether it be teammates or, or people around the club. And you know, Blackpool, that was my old holiday destination. <laughs> my mum and dad, you know what I mean? Mum will take you down to Blackpool. In terms of Scotland, we talked about the, the incident that led to the end of your Scotland career, so it's only right we talk about the, the high points in the sense that captained your country, you played in the games where beat France home the way 1-0, you've auctioned off that, that shirt, um, the captain's armband and the cap, as we've said, to raise an incredible amount of money, £25,000 for the NHS. Just how do you reflect overall on your time with Scotland? Scotland as a career? Yes. As a national team, yeah. For, yeah, for, the only disappointment is never getting to a major championship. That's in, in terms of, like, again, I'll, I'll go back to it. I, I, I love the dream of, of playing with my country. And listen, what caps it off is, is been named captain of your country. So privileged to do it. And it was a massive time for my, my family as well. So, no, proud. Just disappointed or angry, whatever. There's, there's a few words I could describe the way it ended. That's the way I could put it. But look, it was a real privilege. And again, I'll go back to when people used to say, a lot of people don't bother. I've never seen any player no bother about playing with Scotland. Yeah, it's difficult when you're away for seven or ten days, no seeing your family. But at the end, you're playing with your country and getting a cap. So that was the motivation for me so I loved I loved playing with my country loved it In terms of your career as a player we look at it 15 trophies with Rangers a league cup down in England in terms of player of the year trophies you've got four of those from people out with the clubs you won them at club level as well an MBE to throw in with that as well how do you reflect on your football career as a whole? Proud I'm proud. Um, I, I'm no one for looking back and saying I maybe could have done it. I think we went through it halfway through. Um, no one to look back and think, oh, I could have done this better or that better. What I've done and achieved, I've done what, again, I'll go back to thousands and thousands of, of people would love to do. So I've lived the dream and being a professional and playing with the club I supported, representing my my country as well. So, no, I, I look back at it and um, I think to myself, he's done all right for a wee boy for Hamilton. Absolutely. And I'd like to finish with around the quick fire questions. First of all, being best pleasure playing. I might take my, my iPhones are going to go off. So, can you, can you still hear me? I can still hear you, yep. Um, you might be able to, you might need to cut this because I think one's going to go soon. Right, um, I'll try and be quick. Best players you've played with? Yeah, God. I'll go Arthur Newman. Um, best player you played against directly? Xavi. Oh, what an answer. Um, most underrated player you played with? Claude Arena. Best manager of your career and why? Oh, no. Oh, it's a hard one. Um, I've got to say who kind of kicked me on 
can give me the opportunity to go as as advocate. It's got to be a young age, nineteen, giving me the responsibility. It's got to be advocate for that reason. Um, in terms of yourself, you were the captain at most clubs. Who would you say was the most inspirational captain you had? Uh, I, do you know who I liked as captain? Stephen Carr at Birmingham. A lot of injury problems. Retired, come back and shown it can be done um, through serious hard work. So Stevie Carr was he, he was a, a great captain. Enjoyed. Great guy as well. Great player. Most mental character you played with? It's got to be Fernando Rickson. Got to be, got to be, just uh, just an absolute maniac, maniac at times. God bless him, but uh, he just an absolute pain in the ass, but in a good way. You know what I mean? He just didn't know what he'd be up to. Yeah, just I'm not a morning person. I just told him stay away from me every <laughs> single morning. I'll see you in the afternoon, but ah, uh, he was. Uh, some boy, some boy, him, some of the stuff that he's done, or oh, he done, but uh, real fighter for what he went through. A few non-football ones: beach holiday or city break. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm more, more a pool guy, more a pool guy. But I'll go, I'll say beach. I like relaxation. Uh, favorite band. Stone Roses. Oh, great choice. Favourite film? Scarface. It's got to be Scarface. If you could make a five-a-side team with your ex-teammates, who would get in it and why? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Hoping that I'm listening to this. Uh, Arthur Newman, Craig Moore. Neil McCann. Am I allowed in it? Yes, you can be in it. I'll, uh, I'll give Chris Boyd for goal scoring. That's four. Put yourself in it. Do you need to go, you need to go for a, a goalkeeper? Nah, you can do what you want. Nah, I, can't, I don't need a goalkeeper with that team with big odds at the back. Um, well, that's a hard one. Hard one, that. I'll just put myself in it. I don't know for quickness. I'll join in with them. I like that team. And the last question I've got for you, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. You're doing really well with Kelty. You've learned a lot from your times at Blackpool and played as a coach. In the future, is your ultimate ambition to manage Rangers or Scotland? See, to be honest with you, I get asked this quite a lot as well, is to just manage at the highest level I can. Honestly, I've... I don't set myself any targets and say I want to get that job. I'm in a job now where um, hopefully we can progress and see how far that takes us. And uh, I just want to go and show that I can manage at a good level. And whether that was starting at the bottom, working my way up, that's the way I'm prepared to do it. So just manage at the highest level I can. Um, and we'll see where that takes us over the next few years. Brilliant, Barry. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And um, 
I hope everybody stays uh, stays sorry safe and well, and um, hopefully we can come out this soon this virus. So thanks for having me on. As I say, at the start of the show, doing great stuff for the podcast. Some great great people, and you're keeping me entertained while I'm I'm trying to keep myself fit. So no great stuff, and I hope you you get bigger and better. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a